TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. The scoop. It's The Scoop with Doogie. A new month on this hump day brings a new Scoop podcast. It is episode 225. We'll begin with a Wolves president of operations search update before we transition to a conversation with Derek Falvey of the Twins. But let me first tell you about the sponsor of the Scoop podcast. It is North Memorial Health. They treat customers like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door, making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible, just like your family treats you. Find your health family at northmemorial.com. Slash family. On the Wolves president of operation search, I anticipate some sort of news in the very near future. A few league people have said, hey, you need to check on the Wolves whittling the list from four to two. So we have Chauncey Billups, Gershon Rosas, Calvin Booth, and Trajan Langdon, that they would whittle that list in specific. Ethan Casson, CEO, although he's got some people helping him out, including Cheryl Reeve, Lynx head coach and general manager, as I've noted before on this podcast, but mostly Ethan, that they would whittle the list from four to two, so have two finalists, then bring those finalists to Glenn, have those finalists have a conversation with Glenn, go from there. But it is entirely possible that one interview with each of the four candidates is enough. The Wolves have been pretty tight-lipped, so I haven't been able to confirm what a few league people have told me. Bottom line, I do anticipate that we will know who the president of operations is by this time next week, maybe even sooner, but certainly by this time next week. I would be surprised if we don't know by middle of next week. Things are ramping up. I'm told the Wolves have two draft workouts set for next week, Tuesday and Thursday. They've been lining up some free agents for a mini camp in early June. So the front office, Brian Pauga, Scott Layden, and others has been working diligently. I mean, the combine in Chicago is right around the corner. Right before the combine, there's a G League invite. Amir Coffee of the Gophers has an invite to that, hoping to play well there to earn an invite to the real combine, the big boy combine. So, I mean, there's a lot of work to to be done right now as you ramp up toward the draft, then free agency. I mean, I'm telling you, it's not like the front office is just sitting on their hands waiting for this announcement to come for the new boss to take over. In fact, I will be surprised if Scott Layden isn't here for a while. Keep in mind, he makes north of $2 million. Now, they could always reassign him, but it's hard for me to see ownership eating the remaining couple years on his contract when we're talking millions of dollars. So he's been working hard now. I think he'll continue to work hard for the Wolves for at least a little while. A reminder that Layden and interim head coach Ryan Saunders, soon to be full-time head coach, all signs continue to point to Ryan Saunders getting the full-time head coaching job. A reminder, something I talked about last week on the podcast, that Saunders and Layden are getting some FaceTime, got some FaceTime with each of the four candidates. Now, they are not, let me stress this, they are not involved in the interview process. Nonetheless, I've had some league people say to me, that's a weird dynamic there to have, especially Scott Layden, meet with these candidates, do those candidates then, whether it's reality or perception, but do they then think that Layden has a say in whether they get an offer? So I just, I find it fascinating. It's not that it's right or wrong. It's opinion-based. There is no right answer to that equation. I just think it's very interesting that Layden in particular is getting FaceTime or got FaceTime with Billups, with Rosas, with Langdon, with Booth during 
this process. But I'm just telling you, I would be surprised if Layden isn't here for a while, and I would be very, very surprised if Saunders isn't the full-time head coach. And that goes back to how great is this job? Because something that has come up a talker in recent days is, what's the better job right now? The Wizards job, and I don't know if the title there is President of Operations, General Manager, but Big Boss of the Wizards front office, or Big Boss of the Wolves front office. I ran this by a ton of league people. It wasn't universal, but the majority said it's Washington. That Washington, even with the John Wall contract, that Washington is a better job. It comes down to ownership and autonomy and how much power you really have when you walk into the door. That doesn't mean that the Wolves' job is a bad one. Glenn Taylor has proven he'll spend some money. Heck, look at the contract that Layden has. Look at the money he paid Tom Thibodeau. So in terms of adding infrastructure, whether it's to the analytical department, the strength and conditioning area, the medical area, I mean, Glenn will spend some money. Ownership will spend some money. CEO Ethan Casson now having a large voice, a very large voice. He's heavily involved in this process. There's been a lot of good feedback from league people about Ethan's involvement, that Ethan being involved in this, if you're a Wolves fan, is a really, really good thing. I'm just telling you, though, because it's a talker, is the Washington job better or the Minnesota job? And that's another one. There is no right answer. It's opinion-based. But many league people, I ran this by many league people, and majority was Washington is a better job. And Gershon Rosas, the Rockets assistant general manager, will reportedly interview for that job. I was also told that Trajan Langdon has his eyes on that job. No official news that the Wizards have interest in Langdon, but I was told by somebody that knows Langdon that he has his eyes on that job. Also that Langdon really, really likes working for the Nets, that it's inevitable that one day he'll be able to run a front office. So will Langdon get all the power that he is looking for? Everything, not just power, but will he get all the financial resources, all the resources that he would need to do the best job possible here running the Wolves if it came down to him being the guy? Would the Wolves be all in on giving him everything he needs? I don't know. That remains to be seen. I don't have that answer, but I'm sure he's thinking about that and saying, you know what? If I can't get everything that I need, staying in Brooklyn or chasing the Washington job, those are not bad alternatives, and Trajan is not an old guy, so I mean, it's a matter of when, not if, Trajan Langdon will run a front office. Certainly don't sleep on the first candidate that interviewed Nuggets Assistant General Manager Calvin Booth, and I'll pass along one note about Rosas. Per Phil Mackey, host of the 4 to 6 show on Score North, scorenorth.com, 1500 AM on your conventional radio dial. That's Score with a K. Score North, you can podcast his Wolves update from Tuesday's show, 5 o'clock hour. It was right at the start of the 5 o'clock hour, I believe, but definitely the 5 o'clock hour on Tuesday, Tuesday, April 30th. But if you don't want to podcast it, he said, at least on Rosas, he talked about more than Rosas, but on Rosas, he said one good hook on Rosas is apparently he has a really good strength guy, that that strength guy would come along to Minnesota, that he has helped work on James Harden's body for a while, that Rosas has that guy pretty much lined up. And we've seen something along those lines in New Orleans already with David Griffin. So David Griffin gets the Pelicans job. He grabs a great trainer, like the trainer, like the LeBron James of trainers from the Phoenix Suns, a guy that he's known. So he pulled that guy from the Suns to the Pelicans. That was considered a big-time behind-the-scenes win. Doesn't resonate a ton with fans, but those in the league said, wow, that is a tremendous hire. What a job by David Griffin. So in regards to Rosas, if he gets the strength guy and the strength guy is the real deal, hey, that would look pretty darn solid. It's still hard to fully handicap just because internally there's been a lot of silence, but my money going back many, many weeks was on Calvin Booth. Many, 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 many weeks ago, I brought up two names, Calvin Booth and Milt Newton. Milt Newton of the Bucks was never involved in this process. Calvin obviously 
is. So, hey, bringing up that name, going back many, 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 many weeks, I may as well keep riding that train. So I would still put my money on Calvin. But I don't say that with a ton of conviction just because internally there's been a good amount of silence. All right, interviews coming up on this episode of the Scoop Podcast, episode 225 on this 1st of May, the afternoon of Wednesday, May 1st. Let's start with Derek Falvey, Twins Chief Baseball Officer, but we'll also get to Blake Cashman, Ryan Connolly, and Chet Holmgren. But we begin with Derek Falvey. I actually caught up with him over the weekend, so going back a few games, but just based on my schedule, just not having the opportunity to podcast over the last few days, this is my first opportunity to replay my conversation with Falvey. But I'll tell you what, the talking points are still applicable, but you'll hear me mention their record I think I mentioned the record at the time. I talked to him Friday before the series opener against Baltimore. So they ended up sweeping that series. Then they split the first two games against Houston. So it was a few games ago. But I think the talking points are still applicable. But just don't be thrown for a loop if you hear me reference their record, which obviously isn't their record as of today, Wednesday afternoon, May 1st, which is now 17-10. and 10. So the Twins are seven games above 500, going 4-1 and one over their last five. But anyway, here's my conversation with Derek Falvey. Overall, pretty darn happy? Yeah, no question. I, I think, you know, when we set out this year, we wanted to get off to a good start. And I know that's cliche, but at the same time, it feels good in that clubhouse when you start to get on a little bit of a roll. We've got some really talented players in that room and come back 4-2 and two off a road trip. Anytime you can do that, you feel good. And, I mean, anything surprise you so far? I mean, offensively speaking, I mean, I think a lot of us thought your offense would be pretty good, but as we were just talking about off-camera, but, I mean, you think about all the cold-weather games, but, I mean, overall, the offense is really, really good. Yeah, no question. I I think that early on, one thing that might be a surprise is how quickly it's gotten off to a good start. You know, we've had, on average, one of the lower uh, temperatures of of games played so far, and typically you see in April that cold temps maybe favor the pitchers, certainly. So we feel like with guys getting off to a good start, we know we have a deep lineup. We have some guys we're counting on for some rebound we're seeing that already this year so I think offensively position player across the board play good defense I feel like overall we've been in a good spot on the rebound, I mean, Byron Buxton, right? I mean, he would be atop that list. No question. I think Byron's a good example. Jonathan Scope being another. You know, guys who had maybe years that they want to continue to grow from. And, you know, guys like Jorge Polanco taking a meaningful step forward as well. I think they collectively feed off of one another. But each of those guys have had great starts. What impresses you the most about Jorge? I mean, going back like four and a half, five years ago, his old agent used to tell me, just wait. There's Robinson Cano there, and I'm like, Robinson Cano? Are you nuts? And that's still a lofty comparison, especially Cano in his prime. But, man, oh, man, that bat is legit. Yeah, no question. I mean, hey, anyone who's compared to Robbie Cano or others, you know, in the middle of the diamond, that's a good outcome. I would say this. What he was probably speaking to then and what we saw out of Jorge the last few years is an incredible work ethic, no question, an ability to command the zone and hit the ball hard. You know, I think that he doesn't chase pitches out of the zone very frequently. He hits the ball to all fields. You know, a switch hitter who can go play shortstop. He's made some good adjustments defensively that we think are really going to help him going forward. I think he's comfortable right now. I think, you know, he, he came into the he came into spring training in a good spot, got that contract signed and, and worked forward. Now he's just focused on playing the game, and he's excited about it. On the work ethic side of things, I mean, isn't Byron, specifically Byron, I mean, I just, I've heard so many legendary stories about his work ethic, so I guess maybe not that much of a surprise. And then you look at his 2017, like to me, Derek, he, he rightfully earned MVP votes at 23 years old. That's not easy to do. So maybe the rebound was always going to be there with Byron. No question. We have guys who are talented. Byron's a great example. We know what his talent is and what he can do on the field when he's, when he's healthy and performing at a consistent level. And I think what he's done so far has been a great start for him. He's, he wants to continue to build off of that, continue to get better. I think we'll see even more out of him as the year wears on, no question. But we need, we need 
needed rebound from some players for us to be in a good place, and I think so far we've seen some of it. We expect more on the horizon. Guys like Miguel Sano can come back and impact us significantly. Some maybe other some other guys out of the bullpen. So we're excited about where this team's headed and in a good place right now. On scope, what did you guys see that led you to believe? I mean, you've been right so far, and obviously you hope that he continues this, but what did you see when you guys offered him the contract that said, okay, we think he will rebound? Well, I think much like you just mentioned about Byron, you, you go back to 2017 and, and you see spurts, and for a young player, it's not always linear. You know, it doesn't always go as, as cleanly as you hope in terms of the progress in a, in a career. He had a great 2017. This is one of the best second basemen in the game you know, a few year, just two years ago. At age 27, you know, rebounding, you can see a path toward him being, again, much more like he was in 2017. So you know, we just want him to be himself, best version of himself. He plays great defense. He throws the ball about as well as anybody at the position. I think his offensive production, as the weather warms up, you're going to see more of that power production and output, but we're seeing already his ability to impact on both sides of the ball. On Eddie Rosario, I recall Thad Levine down in Fort Myers telling Joe Schmidt that Eddie does extraordinary things. Oftentimes just does things that just blow you away that other guys can't do. And during this stretch in particular, we're seeing that. No doubt. I, I think, you know, Eddie got off to uh, a somewhat, so to speak, slow start the first week of the season, you know, in ter- just in terms of batting average and some of the more uh, traditional measures. But you saw how hard he was hitting the ball. You saw the quality of the approach. And then all of a sudden, everything started to click. And then, as Thad said then, and I would say now, he can hit a ball at your at chin level, you know, that, that much, most guys can't even make contact with, and he can hit it out of the ballpark. So I think Getty's one of those guys who's got a special ability to get the bat to the baseball no matter where it's pitched. What he's done for us in carrying our team at different junctures so far this year has been great. I think we're going to rely on a number of guys to carry us. You know, Everybody goes cold in baseball. Everyone gets hot in baseball at some point in time. I think the Nelson Cruises are going to carry us for stretches. So are C.J. Crone and Jonathan Scope and Byron Buxton and others. So I'm just excited we have the depth we have. You have that depth on the pitching side. Can some pitchers carry you at times? I, I believe we do. I, I think we haven't seen the best of that group collectively. Certainly, Jose Brios has gotten off to a nice start here, and we want to continue to build off of that. But now that Martin Perez is back in the rotation and, and getting more consistent work in that spot, I think we're seeing good pitches. I think we're seeing quality of pitches and the ability to get swing and miss. Now it's translating it every day when he goes out there. Michael Pineda's had some good starts and then some tougher ones. Anytime a guy comes back off of injury, you know, you're always know you're going to have some ups and downs. And I think Michael's somebody who we think we're going to count on. In addition to two stalwarts like Jake Odorizzi and Kyle Gibson, who we know we haven't seen the best of overall from those guys. So I think on the starting side, we're, we're deeper. Uh, and I think on the bullpen side, we're just going to need to continue to have guys step up. And certainly Taylor Rogers has stepped up. I mean, I'm thinking, how many relievers would you trade him for right now in the American League? And you don't have to specifically answer that. But sure. the point is... He might be top five-ish right now in the league. I mean, no doubt. What Taylor's done, and it's kind of been quietly over the last few years, you know, his ability to just go out no matter when he's asked. I don't care if it's the fifth inning or the ninth inning. He's going to take the ball, and he's going to get big outs for you. And I think that's what's critical now is to rely on him to do that. Rocco's done a great job of communicating with him about when he's going to be used and how. I think we've seen bullpens adjust in, in baseball over the last couple of seasons. Go get the meaningful outs no matter where they are in the later portion of the game. We're relying on Taylor for that, and we'll rely on a number of others out there too. How do you analyze Trevor May so far? I think Trevor's still continuing to come back. You know, you, you, you lose sight of the fact that a guy has surgery and, and misses a year and still needs to feel for his stuff. I think the velocity's returned. You're seeing some big numbers on that side. I think the key is developing the feel for the curveball and the changeup. And you know, those are pitches that are feel pitches. And as the weather warms, that's usually when you start to feel those a little better. So I think Trevor's definitely showing the signs of what we think will be a good back-end bullpen arm for us. He's just got to get more time out there.
Matt McGill is back. Were the, were the reports encouraging from his rehab assignment? They were great down there. I, I think that we knew when at the end of spring training when we put him on the DL and that it wasn't going to be a long time, but we wanted to be thoughtful about his return back. You know, he's sitting 94 to 97 with a really good curveball, kind of what we saw at times last year at the end of the year. He's a great kid. He can give you multiple innings out of the bullpen. So I think, you know, to add the eighth guy to our pen right now, we've got some stuff out there. We've certainly got velocity and guys like Romero and, and Matt McGill and then some of the others who are more stalwarts for us. So we have different looks, different angles, and, and that gives a manager uh, a lot of benefit to think about how he's going to go and attack a lineup. Is it safe to think, too, that the bullpen is evolving, that you have some flexibility both in terms of prospects and some financial flexibility, that the bullpen we see here on you know late April isn't necessarily maybe the bullpen we'll see on, say, August 1st? I think that's fair. I mean, anytime you look at a, a team's bullpen, it evolves, and, and you see guys move in and out of roles. And uh, I think, as we all know, you know, looking back a year, I remember watching the beginning of the season with the Oakland Athletics as they were working through their bullpen. By the end of the year, that was one of the best bullpens of all time. So I think you have to count on young players to continue to get better. And the only way for them to get better is to give them opportunity. And I think we're giving some young guys some opportunity to take and earn some roles toward the back end to join guys like Taylor Rogers and Blake Parker and Trevor Hildenberger and others who we think uh, have established themselves at the back end of the pen. Brought up Miguel Sano's name. Are the reports from Fort Myers encouraging right now? Yeah, so far so good. He, he started out extended spring training. Uh, the plan here was to kind of modify a spring training for him. He didn't get the chance to go through it like the rest of our players had. So the best thing we could do is get him in physically in a good place once his foot got healed. Uh, he's working through every day his workouts in the morning. He's getting two to three at bats and then three innings and in extended spring training games. So those are things that are typical early on in spring training. Those three inning outings and then come out and get your work done off the field. We're trying to replicate that as he continues to build up. But I don't think we're too far away from sending him out on a rehab assignment where we could then see him tracking back toward here. What about an update on Addison Reed? Addison Reed's in a similar boat. You know, he's down in Fort Myers. Uh, he started to begin his throwing program and really putting himself in a good place. We took advantage of the fact he had a left thumb injury, which for a right-handed pitcher is uh, hopefully not the end of the world. But we took advantage of the time he was down to uh, to do a lot of work in the weight room, to, to really address some things mechanically, some things that he could do to continue to improve. And the hope was we could take those three-ish weeks, three to four weeks before he was throwing aggressively again to put himself in the best possible position to be successful. I, I have every expectation Addison is going to go out here probably in the next week to 10 days uh, maybe two weeks to get him back on on the field throwing and then hopefully we see a rebound to form because what we know about Addison is looking back a few years you know this guy can be an impact guy in our bullpen yeah I mean I think about him in 2017 he was really darn good so I mean Maybe mid-June, or is that a little too aggressive? Well, I, I don't think uh, right now we're putting a specific timeline on it, but I think it's totally reasonable to think a few weeks from now we'd be talking about him as an option. So, you know, toward the late end of May, if that's a conversation for us, I know that's going to be something he wants. You know, any, any pitcher who's been as competitive as Addison wants to get back on the field, and I think that we're going to try and partner with him to make sure he's in the best possible position when he does get here. So far, so good with Rocco? So far, so good. You know, he, he's, he's exactly what you thought he was going to be, right? He, the way he comes to the ballpark every day, uh, he's, he certainly he, he wants players to be comfortable. And he knows that the best possible baseball player is a comfortable baseball player. And it's hard enough to play this game when you've got 95 with cut coming in on your hands. So he wants guys to be out there and, and put themselves in the best position to succeed. And I think we've seen that already, both in the, how he's managed the pitching staff, but also how he's played our position players. What's you go after this? I mean, new manager, a bunch of new coaches, all these new players. I mean, 
but it's come it's come around pretty darn fast. Oh, well, you know, you don't have time to to sit in your laurels of baseball, right? You have to you have to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position to be successful and compete. My my goal at the beginning of the year when I was asked this, you know, whether it's wins, losses, or otherwise, we're all competing for the same thing, all 30 clubs, to win that championship at the end. But the key for me was how do you go about your work every day? Because a good process will yield a good outcome eventually. And I think what we've seen so far this year is a good process. I want guys to compete through the last out of every game. One of the things that I think is a marker of a team that's growing into something that could be special is when you go down in the seventh inning and it's a tough inning or two, how do you respond in the eighth and the ninth? And I think we've seen already from this club, it's fun to watch. Uh, don't turn off your TV in the eighth or ninth because one to two swings with this lineup has a chance to, to put, guys, put us right back in the game. The Twins have been very good outside of the three losses to Toronto, but they've been very good overall beating up the bad teams and playing 500 against the good teams. Keep doing that. And the Twins absolutely can win north of 85 games, closer to 90, maybe even over 90. And I have no doubt in my mind, he hinted at it, Falvey did briefly there, but I have no doubt in my mind the Twins will add to their bullpen at some point this summer. Are they signing Craig Kimbrell anytime soon? No, they are not, especially the closer we get to the draft. It just doesn't make sense. Forget the financial part of it. It just doesn't make a logical sense to give up a top 100 draft pick at this point when Kimbrell would need multiple weeks to get ready and the draft is fast approaching in early June. But I am positive, whether it's Kimbrell after early June or somebody else via a trade, the Twins are going to add to their bullpen. They may also even add a starting pitcher. I can see them looking at this opportunity and saying, you know what, there's really no great, great team in the American League. Yes, the Astros are good. Yes, the Yankees, when healthy, are good. But who knows, with all those injuries in New York, that there is a chance to maybe make a run this year. So I'm just telling you, they may not have their all-in move at some point this summer. That may come next winter, ramping into 2020. But I'm just telling you, I am very, very positive that the bullpen in particular will change as we get into the heart of summer. We'll transition to the NFL in just a second. The Scoop Podcast is brought to you by North Memorial Health. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team. They are your health family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. Step up your health game. Find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. On the Vikings, I'll bounce all around. They certainly lost out on some free agent wide receivers immediately after the draft. I think those agents said, hey, you just drafted two receivers in the seventh round. Why would we send our guy to your camp? So that was a tough spot for the Vikings to be in. Also, they did sign one offensive lineman in undrafted free agency, but I know a lot of agents looked at the Vikings as the only team to draft three offensive linemen and said, hey, we don't have an interest in sending our guy your way. For example, Bo Benshaw, the Wisconsin guard, hopefully I'm saying the name right, I can't believe he didn't get drafted, but he ended up in Detroit after the draft. Yes, the Vikings were interested in him. But if you were his agent, would you send him here after the Vikings just drafted three offensive linemen? It just didn't make logical sense. But the Vikings are still happy with their free agent class, and they are very happy with their draft class. They thought very, very, very highly 
of Garrett Bradbury. They also had a healthy opinion of Chris Lindstrom. I guess that would have been an interesting decision if both guys were on the board. But I know that they think the world of Bradbury, that he checks all the boxes, that they think he can come in and make an immediate impact. And if you go back and watch the Clemson tape from last year, the way he dominated in that game in so many different areas, so many different snaps against those first-round defensive linemen, you can see that he will be, or at least has a chance to be, a very special player. They also obviously had a healthy opinion of Irv Smith. I know it's cliche, but they were legitimately surprised that he fell all the way to pick 50. I will say on Kyle Rudolph when talking about Irv Smith Jr., Charlie Walters of the Pioneer Press wrote on Sunday that he is convinced Rudolph has played his last game in purple, that it's a done deal, a foregone conclusion. Go ahead and put it in ink. Kyle is done with the Vikings. I can't go that far. I will tell you this much, though, that of any player when looking to create cap space, whether it's him taking a pay cut and staying here in 2019 or being traded potentially to the Patriots, he would be the guy that I would keep an eye on. I mean, there's been some McDermott steam with the Vikings taking that long snapper at pick 250. Would they make a move on the long snapper McDermott? I haven't heard that one. Some people have wondered about Trey Waynes' future. I did note last week or the week prior, can't remember if it was on Score North Live or on this podcast, but if the Vikings wanted to, they could have traded Trey Waynes. It's not like the return would have been phenomenal, but if they wanted to make the move just to create the cap space, they could have gotten some draft capital last weekend, but my understanding is no Trey Waynes trade came remotely close. I'm just saying the guy I would keep an eye on for something to happen, for the Vikings to create cap space, whatever route they go would be Kyle Rudolph, but that doesn't mean that Rudolph has played his last down in purple like Charlie Walters is suggesting. I've had some Vikings people say to me, hey, Irv Smith can line up all over the place. Him and Kyle Rudolph can coexist. They have different skill sets. Kyle has really good hands. He's a good red zone target. Irv Smith can stretch the field, matched up against a linebacker running right down the middle of the field. You know, think about between maybe the 20s or the 15s, that Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph absolutely can coexist, that there's no reason why they can't. So the possibility of Rudolph being here in a year where there is pressure on the general manager and head coach, I mean, no guarantees that they're here in 2020 if 2019 goes poorly. I just don't know if you kick a guy like Rudolph to the curb. So I don't see them cutting him. Now, if the right trade offer comes in, maybe they even get back a player for Rudolph just with a lesser cap number. Okay, I'm sure they would listen. It's not like he is untouchable. I'm just saying one way or another, he would be the guy more than anyone else that I would keep an eye on as the Vikings seek out more cap space. All right, let me get to Blake Cashman first, former gopher. He went in Saturday's fifth round to the New York Jets. Let's catch up with Blake. I do think that if Blake had lasted just a few more picks, the Vikings were very, very, very interested. Instead, they took a linebacker from USC, last name Smith. But if Cashman was on the board along with Smith, I would not have been shocked if Cashman would have been the pick. But the Jets grabbed him first. Here's my conversation with Blake Cashman. All right, Blake, as we talk here now, you know, 48 hours or so later, I mean, have you had a chance to reflect on just the great moment of Saturday in this journey beginning, or has it been a whirlwind since Saturday? Uh, it's been a lot to take in, uh, you know, a lot of people reaching out to me, and it's been very exciting, but I definitely, I took a lot of time yesterday, kind of when the excitement started dying down a little bit to, you know, just reflect on my journey as um, coming in as a walker from Minnesota and, you know, being at the, where I'm at now, so uh, I'm very appreciative, and, you know, it's one of those things I look at where I got to continue to carry a chip on my shoulder because I don't want this 
uh, story of mine to stop anytime soon. So uh, I, I can't wait to get to work and, you know, dive into uh, everything that the Jets have planned for me. Yeah, I mean, really, this is as great as the moment was and will be remembered for a long time. I mean, really, this hopefully is the beginning of, of a lengthy journey. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I I just know it's going to be a great experience there. Uh, they're a team that I felt like, you know, had a lot of interest in me from the beginning and uh, that they have big plans for me, uh, you know, on special teams and, and defense as well. So uh, I can't wait to, you know, see where they put me at and um, how I develop as a player. And, you know, I'm learning from the best of the best in these NFL coaches and I'm in an NFL system. So it's going to be really cool to see how uh, – how it all comes together did you sleep friday night what was it like saturday morning Ooh, uh you know it, I, I was very stressed out during the draft as exciting as it is and you know as happy as i was being in the position you know you're just there's so much uncertainty and i was stressed out and uh you know based on where i was projected there was you know a slight chance i could go day two so i was, I was very anxious watching the draft and uh, a lot of people you know kept telling me you're gonna go day two and i'm like let's not get our hopes up now like Hey, you know, any, anything can happen in the draft. And uh, but I went to bed Friday, Friday night. I was stressed out. I had, I had a headache, you know, for no reason. And I kept, you know, telling myself, take a deep breath, enjoy this process. Like, regardless of what happens on Saturday, I'm going to get that opportunity to put on an NFL helmet and represent an NFL team and um, hopefully continue to play football. So I just kept reminding myself to try to keep myself calm. So then you wake up Saturday, morning turns into afternoon, but then your phone rings. Take us back to that moment when your phone rang. I uh, was sitting there and I was watching the draft and I, I noticed that uh, the Jets and the Vikings uh, were two teams that I've uh, talked to a good amount of time. So, you know, every time a team came up on the board or on the TV that, you know, has expressed a lot of interest, I, I would always look down at my phone. I'm like holding my phone tight and I'm just praying that my phone's going to ring. And um, I was always discouraged, though, because just before I uh, – got on the phone with the Jets a few teams had called me and it sounded like they were trying to snag me in free agency so uh, I was a little bit upset uh, a little bit discouraged but uh, I was sitting there and the phone finally rang I answered it and uh, it was Mike McCann uh, GM for the the New York Jets and I I mean I was so overwhelmed with the phone call and I was I was my hands were shaking and my mom's trying to videotape my reaction and I'm and I'm trying to listen to like everything that he's saying but I'm so excited that it's just hard to process it all but um, it was one of the best feelings I've ever felt. Yeah, I mean, with all that excitement, do you remember what the heck he said? No, I I don't. I mean, I, they had so many of their front office people and coaches in there that uh, I was speaking with and and I just remember. I, kept saying oh my gosh thank you like I'm so excited I can't wait to get away I just kept I felt like I kept repeating myself and I got off the phone I'm like like geez like what was I even saying did I embarrass myself but I at the same time I'm sure that you know everyone kind of has a similar reaction uh but you know I, it was exciting and uh, definitely something I will never forget is that where the chip on the shoulder comes from that okay you'll remember those teams that called that said okay we hope that you don't get drafted we're not going to take you. We hope you don't get drafted, and then we'll try to sign you. Is that maybe where some of the chip will, will exist? Yeah, it, it, yes, it definitely uh, was a little frustrating to hear. Uh, I felt like I you know, did well on all my like testing, and I've put in a lot of hard work and dedication. So uh, I felt like I deserved you know, a, a great opportunity at the next level. But, again, you know, I like to be real with myself and stay humbled. And, and I remind myself every day as I take this next journey into the NFL, and that's to – 
you know, walk into that New York Jets building with the same mentality that I did here at Minnesota. And uh, that was to have a chip on my shoulder and uh, to, you know, have a plan in place to set small goals that um, end up, you know, creating a lot of success over time. And I think that's just one of those things that uh, it continues to keep motivating you and uh, ends up, you know, helping you become a really good football player. Have you set those goals for this year yet? I have not thought about that yet. I uh, definitely, when I get to New York, I'm going to you know talk with the coaches and meet them and get to know them. But I'll have questions just based off where they see me, um, what their plan is for me as I start to learn their their special teams and defensive systems. Um, but I, I definitely want to be a day one uh, player that you know is helping impact the game some way somehow. I'm I'm very competitive, so I do not want to be sitting on the sidelines. Their defense. I mean, does that fit your skill set in many ways? I think it does. They they run like a hybrid defense. They, uh, I believe a lot of uh, Tampa too. And um, given my my speed and quickness and that I love to run uh, from sideline to sideline, I think uh, it's a great fit for me. And uh, you know, as long as I, I got it up here and I know what I'm doing out there, I think I can really uh, make some some plays out there. Was that fifth round just crazy with all the linebackers that kept going? Yeah, I, it was, and uh, I was kind of was prepared for it. I was talking with my agent, and then just kind of looking at the uh, the draft board and, and what remained, and and I, I noticed that there was a lot of linebackers with uh, a lot of experience and a lot of good film out there. Uh, so I'm sure GMs are looking across the board, like, gosh, like we can't go wrong with any of these picks. They're all great football players. Uh, so at that point, I, I knew linebackers would start to go, and it was just going to kind of be one of those things that. You know, you just got to get one GM to like you a little bit more than the other, and your name will hopefully get called. If I had told you April of 2014 that fast forward five years and you'd be an NFL draft pick, what would you have told me? I probably would have doubted you a little bit. I, uh, you know, I, I always say the NFL is something I was going to give a shot, and I'm going to take that opportunity regardless of how my senior season went or my college career, but uh, I probably wouldn't have believed it. I, I honestly, I wouldn't have. So now that it's reality, I mean, think about that. I know it's it's still it's still uh, really hasn't hit me yet. Uh, I, I, you know, it's weird to think right now that ever since I was four or five years old and started playing football in my backyard, that you know I wanted to be playing in the NFL and to sit here and know that right now I'm on an NFL roster is just. You know, it kind of gives me the chills, but at the same time, I got to keep reminding myself that as exciting as it is right now, there's still so much work to be done, and uh, I got to come a long way as a player to, you know, have the success in the career that I want to have. Leave you with this: I know you've spent some time with Ryan Connolly since Saturday, but I mean, think about it. Both in New York, both walk-ons, both fifth-round picks. I mean, the story just writes itself. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, that was one of the first things uh, we talked about. I mean, we both congratulated congratulate each other uh over text when we got drafted but uh he made a joke talking about like are we rooming together then because you know it's crazy how we started off in ian prairie we both you know play the same position we're both walk-ons played at big 10 universities and and both got invited to combine and now we're playing on nfl teams in the same city it's it's and we're rivals so it's, it's bringing back a little uh, the college days so it's really exciting and uh, it feels good though knowing i have someone really close to me that I grew up with that, you know, will be in the same city as I, uh, you know, take on this brand new experience. My goal just hit me. What about picking off or sacking Tom Brady? That would be awesome. You know, Tom Brady, uh, he's a legend. He's the GOAT. And, 
to be able to play on the same field with uh, against him uh, and compete is, you know, it's an honor and it's gonna, it's something I'm definitely looking forward to. One cool thing the Jets do for all their draft picks, so including Blake, they fly out the parents of the draft pick. So Blake's mom and dad will fly out and meet with the Jets later this week. So the Jets rookie minicamp is actually next week. It's not this week. About half the league is this week, including the Vikings. About half the league is next week. So the Jets, I haven't heard this before, the Jets will fly out Blake's mom and dad. They'll fly out on Thursday. They'll stay in New York slash New Jersey for a couple days. The Jets will show them the facility. They'll show them some neighborhoods where their sons may end up living show them what the commute will be like from where they may be living to the practice facility, just school them on what their sons will be experiencing being New York Jets. We touched on Ryan Connolly there at the end of the interview with Blake Cashman. Ryan Connolly and Blake Cashman were teammates at Eden Prairie High School. They won multiple state championships. Ryan then made the transition when he went to Wisconsin from quarterback at Eden Prairie to linebacker this past year. He was third team all Big Ten. Ryan Connolly went just a few picks before Blake. It was something like, what, 10, 12, 14 picks before Blake to the New York Giants. So both guys from Eden Prairie end up going in the fifth round on Saturday. I caught up with Ryan Connolly. Ryan, now that we're, what, about a little less than 48 hours since you were drafted, I mean, does it seem like it's reality? Has it hit you that you're officially a member of the National Football League? I don't know. I've, I've kept having to remind myself, you know, that it actually happened. Um, yeah, it's it's still pretty, pretty um, new to me, and I'm still trying to kind of get a hold of it, to be honest. Take us back to the moment on Saturday. I mean, what was your Saturday morning like? What were those moments like up until when your phone rang? Yeah, I was just sitting around with my family, um, just kind of watching the draft, talking, you know, trying to keep it light and um, trying to pay attention to who was moving around. It felt like there was a lot of teams trading up and down and um, just just sitting there when the call came, and it was, it was pretty cool. Who called you? Take us through that phone call. Yeah, they called me right away trying to make sure I was still healthy, and I said, yeah, I am, and then they put me on the phone with um, head coach and talked to him for a while, then I talked to the D.C., and you know, it was just all a blur at that point. I was just trying to pay attention and, you know, answer their questions and uh, just trying to make sure I didn't, you know, like lose my cool. So, What did Pat Shermer in particular tell you? Just, you know, welcome to the team. Excited to have you. Um, some, you know, kind of the basic stuff. And um, like I said, I was just trying to make sure I wasn't, uh, you know, I was answering their questions correctly and, you know, just trying to pay attention as good as I can. So as you're watching the jockeying going on, and you mentioned it, teams moving up, down, what have you. I mean, did you have any sense whatsoever that it could be the New York Giants? Um, I, I had a good feeling they were one of the teams that was interested, you know, just from my experience at the Combine and Pro Day and, you know, some feedback from my agent. And so, I, you know, I knew they were definitely a team that was interested. And I just, um, at that point, early in the fifth round, I kind of lost track. And so when I got the call, I didn't know, it, you know, I said, New Jersey and so I wasn't sure you know which team it was from New York and so obviously when I talked to you know Pat Shermer I was aware at that point but um, no it was, it, was, it was a really cool experience. That's interesting okay so the caller ID pops up and it says New Jersey and yeah you took a pre-draft visit to the Jets so seriously like you were thinking this could be the Jets and not the Giants? I mean no obviously once you know they started talking to me I was I was very aware it was the Giants and I was super excited to you know be a part of the organization but um yeah, I mean, just that, like I said, I had kind of lost track of who was drafting at what point, um, just with all the, you know, I guess the TV was a little behind at that point. So um, I wasn't really sure who was on the clock next. Um, and I was kind of mad because I've been paying such close attention all day. And then at that point, when it was actually happening, I was kind of, kind of, you know, lost track a little bit. Was it nerve wracking? I mean, a lot of linebackers were going. Were you thinking, come on, call my name? Um, 
Uh, a little bit, but you know, at the same time, if you see a lot of linebackers going, it's just means it's a, you know, it just helps you out a little bit more. It means you know you're you're closer to getting drafted. So, I mean, yeah, you can always use that as motivation, but it, it, it can also be a good good sign sometimes. Take us through the Giants' defense and how your skill set fits into their defense. Right. I mean, you know, they you know they're on three four, kind of similar to Wisconsin in a way, but obviously there's going to be a lot more going on, and you know, I'm, I'm just excited to get there and be a part of it and you know see how I can help in any way possible but overall I mean when thinking about okay as you're going through the teams and saying okay this is a good fit maybe this isn't such a good fit did you look at the Giants and say okay that is a really good fit oh for sure just just you know with their history and everything they've done in the past I think it'll be awesome to you know get there and be a part of everything how aware are you of their history I mean that's a pretty good history there with the Giants right now obviously I followed it you know you know just being a general fan of football growing up in the NFL and um, I'm pretty aware of the history they've had and the success they've had, so I'm just excited to get there. How much of a dream is this that's now coming to reality? I mean, all those years, I mean, you were talking about this very street we're standing on years ago used to be a football field. Mm-hmm. You know, just thinking about all the time that you've put into the game of football and now that you're at the highest level possible. I mean, just dream come true? Yeah, 100% it's a dream come true. And, um, you know, there's still some other dreams like winning a Super Bowl that I want to accomplish. and. Um, stuff of that nature, but it's definitely a step and, you know, something that I've always, I've always wanted. Did I read, I think I saw a story in the New York Daily News that your mom's lung cancer treatment, does that come to an end on Friday? So, I mean, this has the possibility over a six-day stretch of just unbelievable news in the Connolly family. Right, yeah, no, it's been a happy couple of weeks for us and, you know, just decided to keep this momentum going for sure. So she's done with treatments then on Friday with her lung cancer? Yeah, this Friday will be the last one, so. And then how about just the fact, okay, so you go, and then Blake Cashman, somebody you know well, went like, I forget how many picks thereafter, but I mean, it was pretty quick. Right. Yeah, no, we kind of fell back to back there, and no, it's just pretty surreal, just, you know, two guys from EP, and now we're both going to be out in New York, you know, so it's, it's pretty exciting. Have you had some contact with him? Yeah, no, I was with him this morning, talked to him, and, you know, he's obviously jacked up, and I'm excited for him to see what he can do out there, and I mean, we play each other the first preseason game, so it'll be, it'll be fun to get out on the field together. And take us through who your cousin is from Edina High School, who's one of the better players in the NHL, who's also in the New York, New Jersey area. Right, yeah, no, he's, he's you know, the captain for the Islanders, and he reached out um, right away just congratulating me and, you know, offering me if I needed ever need anything. So that's, that is the one nice thing. You, you all have, you know, at least someone I know out there in New York and, um, you know, obviously in addition to Blake, but it's just cool to, you know, have him there. And um, you know, hopefully I can get out to more games than I have in the past, so. We're talking about Anders Lee. I mean, so you and Anders, I mean, tight family bond. I mean, have you guys spent a lot of time together over the years? I mean, obviously it's been difficult, you know, with him, you know, being busy with hockey, me busy with football. But, you know, I always try to watch the games when I can. And I was able to go to one um, when I had the Pinstripe Bowl in New York. I was able to stop by a game. So that was a cool experience. That was my actually the first game I watched him, his first NHL game, you know, in four years I was able to get to. Um, so it was pretty cool. All right, so what's next? I mean, do you have rookie minicamp later this week, or is it a couple weeks away? It's, it's this first week. I'll leave on Thursday, um, kind of get oriented, and then you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday will be rookie minicamp. I mean, how much of a blur do you think that'll be? I mean, just getting in, getting into the facility on Thursday, and next thing you know, you're on the practice field on Friday. Right, you know, I'm, I'm excited to learn a new defense, though, and you know, kind of get some fresh, fresh coaching. And I think it'll be exciting, and I, I just really want to get down there and get started, to be honest. Did you size up the entire Giants draft class? What did you think? No, I think it was awesome. I, you know, I trained with a lot of those guys, and um, so you know, there are some familiar faces that have, you know were drafted, and so I'm just excited, you know, especially to, just to see them again, and then also get, get going and you know become a team. 
is it pretty cool to know that you'll be instead of having to tackle Saquon Barkley like you did in college and now he's one of your teammates Right, yeah, that's kind of funny. I, you know, people were pointing out, I guess I had an Instagram from Big Ten Championship game a couple of years ago that he was in, and um, I guess I didn't even really realize that he was in the picture, and so some Giants fans had already discovered that. And I don't know, it's pretty cool. You know, obviously he's one of the best backs in the league, so not having to worry about tackling him on Sundays would be a lot easier. Have you been pretty active on social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, just to see the feedback? Uh, I've been trying to. I've, I've never been the biggest social media guy as far as posting and whatnot goes, but, you know, I, I always like to catch up and see what's going on. So what's the feedback been like from Giants Nation? I mean, I, I think they're excited, and you know, I'd, I'd hope they're excited. But um, it, at the end of the day, it, it, that you know, their opinions um, can only go so far. And obviously, I'd like that for them to like me, but I just want to be able to be the best player on Sunday. So Ryan Connolly of Eden Prairie, the new New York Giants linebacker, starts his rookie minicamp this weekend. Quickly on Gophers basketball, Alihan Demir, the Drexel transfer, who was on this podcast last week told me via text that Richard Pitino of the Gophers was expected in Philadelphia to visit with him either today or tomorrow. It looks like it's down to them and Kansas State. So certainly the Gophers have a chance to land Demir, who could slide in and take the starting job that is vacant at the power forward position with Jordan Murphy now graduated. Murphy, by the way, I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier in the podcast or not. Murphy has a couple draft workouts set up with teams Next week, I'll disclose what teams at a later date, but he does have a couple draft workouts set up, so he is chasing that NBA dream. All right, due to time, I have a few other notes, basketball, high school basketball notes, but nothing that's big-time percolating that I have to get in. So due to time, let me just transition right to my conversation with Chet Holmgren, Minnehaha Academy sophomore, one of the best sophomores in the country, class of 2021, one of the best in the state. It's him and Kendall Brown from Eastridge. In fact, I talked to Chet on Monday at 2.30 or 2.40 right after school. Soon thereafter, Kansas and Missouri offered him. Kansas is Holmgren's first blue blood offer, but he's got a ton of offers the Gophers offered many, many months ago. Here's my conversation with Chet Holmgren. We talk a lot of recruiting. Chet, there really isn't much off time. I mean, it doesn't seem like that long ago that you guys were winning yet another state championship, and then it segues into AAU season. But, heck, I mean, basketball is is your passion. I mean, how much fun is this right now? Definitely a lot of fun. Um, I wouldn't take time off if I could. Uh, I love playing basketball. Uh, I'd do it every day if I could, but my body needs rest sometime. Uh, take a couple of days off here and there. Uh, but other than that, I'm pretty much in the gym every day. How much has your game evolved? How much better of a player are you today compared to maybe even a year ago? Uh, I'd definitely say I've my body's developed a lot since last year uh able to make more athletic plays move my feet quicker uh it's helped put a lot of work into my core strength which has helped uh with my jumping ability my uh foot speed uh it's helped my stamina a lot uh when those games wear on uh legs don't get tired anymore those jump shots keep falling uh it's just helped a lot what are your measurables right now? I mean, I guess, how tall are you right now? Uh, without shoes, I'm 6'11 and three quarters. And are the growth plates still open? Are you still growing? Uh, the growth plates in my legs are closed now, but uh, the my spine is still growing. So I might still have an inch, maybe inch and a half left. Yeah, so I mean, you might be a seven-footer pretty quick here. Uh, I probably will be, yeah. 
But you pride yourself, and you've talked about this, but tell us how much you pride yourself on having some guard skills, even though you are just about seven feet tall. Yeah, that's the direction the game's going in. Uh, Can't just be tall anymore. you got to be able to play multiple positions. Uh, That's what I try to do offensively and defensively. Defensively, uh, I take pride in being able to guard. Uh, One through five, switch on ball screens, uh, guard in the low post, guard in the paint, uh, guard the wings, and then offensively be able to uh, help my team in any way needed, whether that's spreading the floor with shooting, uh, back to the basket, being a low post threat, or putting the ball on the floor when uh, it's needed to help break press or push the ball off rebounds. How much do you weigh right now? Uh, I'd like to say that's classified, but uh, probably 180, 185. But is the goal, I mean, is that a constant, what you're working on, trying yeah. to add some muscle? Yeah, I know I'm not going to add 30 pounds in a year. Um, mostly just focusing on getting stronger because uh, even if the weight doesn't come, the strength will come in handy pretty much whenever. Uh, so especially in the core and my legs uh, are focuses right now for my strength. And do you even see noticeable gains in those areas even over the last handful of months? Uh, yeah. Uh, moving on the court just feels so much smoother, so much quicker. Uh, a lot of jump rope and uh, plyometrics helps with that. Uh, and then obviously stamina. Uh, my body, I don't feel as tired when, uh, especially during these AAU tournaments when you have four games in a weekend, two games in a day, you don't feel as tired during those third, fourth games. Uh, and it helps my performance. On those AAU tournaments? Yeah. You've had a couple already here? Yeah, two. In the month of April? Two, How have yeah. they gone? Uh, they've gone pr- extremely well. Our team right now, we're 6-2. and two. Uh, I wish we were 8-0. That's the ultimate goal. Uh, but we came short to a couple of very good teams. Uh, and right now we're just focusing on getting better for this weekend so that uh, hopefully we can go 4-0 in this next uh, Under Armour period. Anything changed for you last weekend with it being an open period with mm-hmm. all the college coaches in the gym? Uh, everybody's – it's a lot more – it's definitely a lot more tense, uh, a lot more serious. Uh, it's always serious when you step on the floor, but it's a whole other degree when – there's coaches on the uh, coaches watching. Uh, there's scholarships on the line. Uh, it's always going to be everybody's going to be on their A game, and uh, it showed this weekend. There was a lot of great competition. Uh, I feel our team did very well. We played together as a unit um, and came out three and one on the weekend. I mean, you talk about playing as a unit. How much does mm-hmm. it help that your AAU teammates, mm-hmm. you know, Prince and Jalen? I mean, these yeah. guys. You play with and Caden, you play uh-huh. with them on yeah. your high school team. Yeah, it definitely helps the chemistry, and not only on our high school team. We've been playing together since third grade, since we were little kids. So we've grown up together. We're really close. Uh, it just helps. I know where my teammates are going to be. My teammates know where I'm going to be, and we have each other's back, which helps a lot on the court. How many offers are you up to right now? Um, fourteen, maybe fifteen. Uh, one of those two. I don't know. I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah. That- there are so many, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to keep track of Yeah, and hopefully when it's time to make a decision on a school, uh, the right school has reached out to me, and uh, hopefully I can make the right choice that's best for my future and uh, the best for me and my family. Do you remember who first offered you? Uh, who was your first offer? My first offer was Texas A&M last summer, uh, and then about 10 minutes later I got uh, uh, notified that uh, Minnesota had offered me as well. 
Does that matter at all, big picture? And Texas A&M's obviously had a coaching change. Uh-huh, yeah, they have had a coaching change. Um, it's always unique. The first offer is always unique. Uh, but I'm mostly considering what's best for me. Uh, so whichever college uh, I fit into best, whichever college uh, is best for my future is going to be the one that I uh, choose. When you say what's best for you, mm-hmm. what does that mean? What is best for you? Uh, obviously, great academics, uh, welcoming coaching staff. Uh, that's nice. Uh, that's great at what they do. Pretty much every coaching staff and at the Division One level is great at what they do. That's why they're there. Uh, just a welcoming coaching staff that makes me feel like home because it's somewhere I'm going to spend a lot of my time. Um, and then also uh, great nutritionists, uh, um, workout uh, staff because uh, that's what I need to take my game to the next level. Uh, definitely work a lot on my body uh, and then great facilities to to help with that. What are the recent offers? Am I right? Is it Baylor? Uh, Baylor, Iowa? Baylor. In the last couple weeks, uh, Baylor, uh, Vanderbilt, uh, Georgia, Marquette, Gonzaga, Iowa in the last two weeks. And then the Gophers going back. The Gophers going back. Texas A&M going back. Any other ones hit you going back a a Uh, Purdue was my third one. Texas was my fourth. Uh, They're all very important. I'm definitely looking at all my options right now. Um, My recruitment's very wide open right now. And uh, hopefully the right ones reached out to me when that time to make decisions come. Any coaches in recently or coming in in the, in the coming days and weeks to see you? Uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Texas assistant Neil Barry stopped by to say hi. Uh, Purdue's head coach and one of their assistants, uh, Matt Painter, uh, came in, uh, watched a workout yesterday. Uh, and Wisconsin's head coach is coming in tomorrow to watch a workout as well. I mean, is that fun? Do you enjoy interacting with all these coaches? Uh, I'm, as a sophomore, I'm not allowed to sit down and have a full-on conversation with coaches, but they're allowed to come. Uh, and it's definitely great seeing them come and uh, showing that they're very interested in me. Um, and it's always fun to showcase my talents for them, uh, especially in a workout, uh, show, try and show them what I can do. What are the rules then? Are you allowed to text with coaches? Are you allowed to do anything as a so, sophomore? As a sophomore, I can call them, uh, but they can't call me back. So if they don't answer, I got to call them back in 20 minutes, or they can text my coach and say uh, they're available, give them a call now. And that's it's kind of confusing the rules. It's, it's, they're confusing, but over the years, you get them down kind of. And I've had a lot of people help me, help me through the process. What sort of resources your dad? And your dad, of course, is a former mm-hmm. gopher. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely helped a lot. He's explained a lot to me. Uh, it's been a while since he's been in my position, so uh, a lot of rules have changed. He's a little rusty with the rules, too. Uh, but then not only do I have him to help me through the process, I also have uh, Jalen. He's been through the process for a few years now. Uh, if I have a question, I can just shoot him a text, call him, ask him at school. Uh, he's been very helpful with it. And then his dad, Larry, who's also my coach, he helps me a lot with it as well. And then our program director, Brian Sandifer, uh, is also very helpful with it. Yeah, I mean, Larry and Brian, I mean, uh-huh. great resources, right? Yeah. I mean, you can lean on them for whatever you need. Yeah, exactly. All right, and how about the Gophers offer? I mm-hmm. mean, does it mean more, A, it's the hometown, and B, because your dad played for them? Uh, yeah, any offer is special, especially uh, 
I get to see a lot of the Gophers. Uh, I get to see a lot of the great things they do because I'm so close. Uh, it's great coaching staff, great facilities. Uh, they, it's a well-run program. Uh, it's a good school. Uh, I'm definitely open to uh, the scholarship offer that they've uh, made available to me, definitely considering it. I mean, as you watch Richard Pitino's offense, I mean, do you see how you could potentially fit into what he runs? Uh, yeah. Uh, I've, that's kind of what I've been looking at, at, at. When I look at schools, I definitely look at their offense, how I would fit in. Uh, I feel that uh, right now they need more court spacing, and that's something that uh, I pride myself in being able to provide, uh, which I could immediately fit into the offense right there. Uh, and I feel like I'm a good fit right there in the offense. How much has your shot evolved? I mean, you talk about more um, spacing. And yeah. How much has your jump shot improved? Uh, a lot. Uh, when I first started playing basketball in third grade, uh, I didn't even practice with the team. Me and Larry would just sit on the side hoop. Uh, he'd teach me how to shoot, uh, form jump shots from two feet away, shoot probably four or 500 to practice. Uh, and since then, I've just been working on my jump shot that's kind of my bread and butter uh and i put a lot of pride into it, a lot of work uh, and i guess it's paying off and you didn't start playing until third grade huh uh no i didn't well i played i didn't start playing organized uh okay. team traveling basketball till third grade sure yeah. yeah but with your dad's history yeah i mean did you even have a basketball in your hands at you know two three years old uh the, there's pictures of me with basketballs when i was a baby um uh played shooting games with my dad all the time. I played park board when I was real little uh, and then got seriously started in third grade. Any plans to take any visits to campuses anytime soon? Uh, nothing set in stone right now. I definitely want to get down to see some colleges this spring or this spring, summer, and fall. Uh, got to find a time I'm available. It's definitely a very busy time, uh, and hopefully I can work some things out. I mean, any schools in particular? I mean, it's going to be hard to get to all 14 yeah. or 15 that yeah, I've offered you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely want to get down and see Minnesota again. It's right right next door. Uh, get down to Texas, see uh, Texas, Baylor, and Texas A&M. I uh, want to get down to uh, Iowa, see Iowa, maybe Iowa State, Creighton, uh, Nebraska, a few of those. Um, uh, and then if I'm nearby for a tournament or something get to see another college nearby. maybe after this does did nebraska offer you or is uh, that, no they have not is that something that might be coming though with fred hoiberg's influence and his impact here in the uh, twin cities uh yeah i have interest from them at the moment i uh, don't know how soon an offer could come um uh hopefully it does though yeah, are there some other schools then too i mean nebraska showing interest mm-hmm. are there some others kind of right on the outside that are showing interest mm-hmm. that that hopefully we'll offer soon? Yeah, uh, that's a long list. Um, after this weekend, I heard uh, from Missouri and NC State, which are new, and then uh, there's I've had interest from a few schools uh, for a while now. Um, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, pretty long list. I don't I should, probably shouldn't go go wait into depth about it. And a reminder, right after the conversation with Chet on Tuesday, he got offers from Missouri 
And from Blue Blood, Kansas, Chet Holmgren, sophomore, Minnehaha Academy, big man. I'll tell you what, he's got the gift of gab. That's a good thing. He can really communicate. Heck, I try to remember back to my days when I was a sophomore at Henry Sibley High School. I was lucky to be able to string together a couple words. He can talk, which is fantastic. He has a bright future. Chet Holmgren of Minnehaha Academy. We are done. We are up against it clockwise. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 225. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.